It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. And with me tonight, we'll be speaking with Mr. Jeff Dornick, a true American patriot, as we discuss several issues of the day. I've had other American patriots on prior as we discussed Palestine-Ohio derailment with Dr. Franco Musio, pushing a new constitutional amendment, Keep the Nine, with a good friend of mine, Mr. Roman Bueller, who used to work for Newt Gingrich on the Hill. And uh, also with Michael Haywood, who is a retired army colonel, who wrote a book that gives us some really good insights about Russia's oligarchy and how they operate overall. The purpose of the American Patriot series, for those who haven't listened before to this, regardless of political leanings of my guests, is to explore the lives, lessons, and efforts of real Americans who sacrifice daily for the security and advancement of our republic. Americans such as Def Dornick, today's guest, who's taken on risks, personal sacrifice to live the American dream and advance America's values to enable future generations of America to enjoy our freedoms and independence. Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, you can make a difference. This series brings to you everyday Americans like yourself to show you that anyone can make a difference in our society, our country, and advancing our freedoms. The lesson for our listeners is you can change things for the better. You don't need any special permissions. You are, in fact, empowered. Use your civil and constitutional rights and act. Each week on the NASA Security Hour, I discuss very strategic perspectives, analysis, and assessments of the ongoing cognitive war. I've detailed the background, the definition, the theory, operations, and solutions in my book, The Cognitive War, Why We Are Losing and How We Can Win, that's available on Amazon. Today, we're going to continue that strategic discussion, but also in some tactical areas with Mr. Dornick, as we discuss several issues, including his concerns with artificial intelligence and Mr. Musk regarding the use of AI and the X platform. We'll talk about the COVID jabs, Donald Trump, and more. Without further delay, let me introduce Mr. Dorman. He is the CEO of the new tech company, Pickaxe, which is building a social media platform that is launching in the first quarter of 2024. It will be a constitutional free speech platform. So this is going to be big for our audience and listeners as well. He's not beholden to big tech in any way, and he's going to also offer monetization opportunities to content creators. So this is like the perfect win-win scenario. Free speech, free platform, no big-ass tech, and you can monetize different things. Jeff's also the co-founder of Freedom First Network and host of the daily show, The Jeff Dornick Show, an excellent program you ought to listen to, where he's interviewed everybody from Dr. Peter McCullough to Lauren Boebert to Dr. Pierce Corey and Burgess Odens. You'll find his fuller bio on our AmericanOutlaw.news website's NAS Security Hour, along with links to his hit network and show, once this show goes to podcasts. So let me turn to Jeff here and start with our first question, Jeff, is what are your concerns about artificial intelligence, Elon Musk, and the AI X platform? Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, and first off, thank, thanks for having me on the show. You know, it, you know, when I, when I had you on the, sh- on my show recently, it, w- it was a super fun conversation. So I, I really appreciate you and your insight and, and, and all of that. 
it's been interesting since since I got into all the, the this tech space because you know before this I was talking politics you know my daily show that's basically what I did I was like a, almost like a news commentator kind of a thing and you know pick people's brains interview people things like that and then I'm like you know trying to come up with like a solution we can kind of talk about that later with with social media but as I'm going through this process I'm looking at all the different tech aspects of okay what are we going to incorporate how are we going to do this and a lot of people were pushing me, okay, Jeff, you you really you really got to get in on this AI stuff because the artificial intelligence, that's the future. That's where everything's heading. And when you when you look at, you know, uh, you know, Facebook with their metaverse, you look at at Elon Musk and Twitter and X with their new XAI as they're calling it, their artificial intelligence. Then you begin to look at the other alternative social medias, alternative medias like like Getter and Gab and so, some of these other big ones where they're also incorporating artificial intelligence. So I'm like, OK, well, I got to look into this. I, I got to figure this thing out. OK, how are we going to use this? How are we going to incorporate this? And and for me, as I dug deeper into the technology side and, and what, what are the actual ramifications of this? I got extremely concerned to where I'm taking the approach with with, with pickaxe or social media platform like we're not incorporating artificial intelligence because because of all of all of the concerns. So I'll kind of lay out kind of where AI is uh, right now, because that's important for people to understand. Right now, artificial intelligence is not actually artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, so like when you go to like open AI, chat GPT, what it's actually doing it's aggregating information. You know, like there's like the Drudge Report and the Liberty Daily for yes, like news yes. aggregation. They're just pulling off from different places on the internet, pulling it together and then spitting it out for, for the readers to look at and, and then link to and, and all of that. The way that OpenAI works and ChatGPT and all these other artificial intelligence work is they have access to the internet. And all they're doing is pulling information off the internet based upon your request and then spitting it out in, in a way that you can comprehend and read in, in good proper English. And, you know, through computer programming, they're able to make, they're able to, you know, write articles or write papers for you or do all this kind of stuff. But it's basically plagiarizing all the information that's already there. And if you actually look at, at one of the big things that a lot of people were not talking about, one of the big arguments about that, that Hollywood strike for the writers was about artificial intelligence. And, and the reason why is because what AI is doing is, is it's basically cutting out jobs for, for the screenwriter. So what studios will do typically is they'll go through four or five different rewrites of, of a movie script, right? So what they do is they pay the most money for the first draft of a script because that draft is the most difficult to come up with because that's where you come up with the concept, the characters, yep. the idea. So they paid the vast majority of the script money to that very first draft. And then... After that, then then they'll do a rewrite and a rewrite, and each rewrite they pay less and less money based upon you know which number they do a rewrite number three and rewrite number eight, and each time it's less because it takes less effort and less energy in order to rewrite something than come up with an idea, right? So what they're doing to save money is the first draft they're writing with artificial intelligence. So, so they're cutting out the biggest income driver for screenwriters. So, and and this is this is what was really interesting. Th that first draft, because of the way the AI works, it's just ripping off all the previous scripts that have been written, all the previous movies. So the, so the, so the studio will say, we want an action movie that's kind of like Mission Impossible, kind of like The Matrix, and we want explosions, and we want them to, do, to be going up against the Russians, and they set up this whole, this whole thing, and then it'll r literally rip off 007, Mission Impossible, they'll, they'll build the character around, around you know, one of the Terminator, whatever it is. Okay. They're they're plagiarizing. They're not compensating the original creators of those entities. 
And then they're cutting out all the screenwriters. So that was a big part of the Hollywood uh, screenwriter, uh, you know, strike that was recently happening. And I think it was a really important distinction that not a lot of people were, were making. So to, to kind of understand AI, you have to understand what does it actually do right now? Right now, it's not self-learning. Right now, it's not the dangerous, uh, the dangerous thing that I believe it will be down the road. And we can kind of get get into that as well because it's it's been fascinating diving diving into this stuff. Well, so so great points. So, so when we started talking about artificial intelligence, I thought at first we're going to be talking about Congress, but but I quickly got dispelled. That's <laughs> because there's a lot of artificial intelligence operating up there on the hill. But the point that I think is key for the listeners to understand, and, and, and it's fascinating to hear your perspective, because I have very much the same type of perspective when we've not talked about this before. Because when you take a look at these shiny objects, and they call it artificial intelligence, in a very raw form, what it is, you have to have an analytical methodology. You take the analytical methodology, and you write a program against it to say, if this, then that. And each of those programs has its own biases, as you've seen with chat GPT, right? So it's not rocket science. Now, it does take some good ingenuity and take some good effort to write some good scripts for this. But it's far from the magic that everybody's pushing forward. And so what, what's interesting in this, as you said, it regurgitates what's already out there. So this is where a lot of people are concerned on the Hill, as I was talking about, uh, the artificial intelligence folks. Because the concern is going to take and regurgitate all the prior propaganda and disinformation, but do it better. And so it's very interesting. What's your perspective on that as we go, you know, talking about this more? It's the disinformation propaganda aspect. As you talk, you're setting up this new platform. You see X out there. You see uh, the different, you know, uh, Google, Facebook and such. But they're all biased and they're pushing, they're pushing the people towards their biases already. So they're not informing; they're basically reinforcing, reindoctrinating. So, what's your perspective on that? Oh yeah, well, you know, one of the one of the aspects of this, because of the way that it's aggregating information, and I and I think it's an important point to make, is that it it's really stunting the growth of humanity. the the whole The whole way that humanity grows is through us learning and come and go facing challenges and figuring things out in a way that nobody else has thought before, right? But then here comes artificial intelligence that everybody is now relying upon, whether it's for research, for information, for writing, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, because it's just regurgitating information from the past, all of a sudden it's going to stunt our growth, I would argue. So, so that's something that if we're looking at growth and becoming more, more progressive as a, as a society, artificial intelligence in its current form is is not the way to do that but like you said they've also got biases as well and and we and we see that with Facebook we see that with Google we also see that with, with Twitter and 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 the current version of that with with X you know Elon Elon Musk is not the free speech absolutist that everybody tries to make him out to be. He's not this free speech here. If you think that he spent $44 billion to buy Twitter and turn it into X because he wants to def wants to defend free speech, you kind of have another thing coming because because he has he has a policy with written in there and they're they're blasting it all over the place, bragging about bragging about this all over the mainstream media with their new CEO who's a World Economic Forum uh you know person came directly out of Hollywood, the whole the whole deal. Yeah. They have this policy of freedom of speech but not freedom of reach which means you're allowed to say essentially whatever you want on the platform they're not going to kick you off like they used to right but they don't have to allow people to see what you say so really what's the difference except that they're giving you this facade 
that you can say whatever you want. And I, and I always use this example. Let's just hypothetically say Elon Musk goes and sets up a free speech, a free speech stage in time, New York's Times Square. He sets up a microphone, speakers, a stage. He's like, this is free speech. You can say whatever you want from up here. You have five minutes go say whatever you want so you get up there and you, you start talking about election fraud you start talking about covid vaccines you start talking about all this stuff and all of a sudden he's like uh sound guy can you turn off the mic on this one and 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 then you complain you're like but wait i thought you said it was free speech he's like you do you can say whatever you want from up there on stage but that doesn't mean i have to have the microphone on i never said that that's the same thing that's happening on x and so when we're talking about biases what what we're seeing is we're seeing you know, certain trends and things happening on X where they're pushing things that Elon Musk believes in. So whether, you know, he he's a really big guy dealing with transgenderism, which is a great thing. He He's approaching that. So you see that amplified within, within the algorithms. You see certain things questioning the government, questioning what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. That'll be amplified. Even, even COVID vaccines stuff and questioning that, that'll be amplified. But if you're dealing with like election fraud, that's going to be downplayed. If you're dealing with pro-Trump stuff, that's going to be downplayed. If you're dealing with particular things that he doesn't necessarily like, that's going to be downplayed. Or what they perceive the, uh, the advertisers will have issues with. And that's where we see like Laura Loomer, she gets some of the most engagement on the platform and, and they run almost no ads on, on her Twitter profile because she's deemed too controversial, right? So what? So it's this whole big thing where biases are still pushing it because you have to understand you as a platform are supposed to take the approach that we're going to build the best technology in order for you to build your audience of like-minded people that want to follow you and hear what you have to say. And you you should get out of the way of it all. If somebody follows you, that means they want to hear what you have to say. So why are you messing with the algorithms to where you're keeping people from following somebody and then they start exactly. following somebody and then you don't allow them to actually see or hear what they're actually talking about it's this huge almost i would argue almost corrupt system right now that is is nothing even remotely close to a, a public town square or free speech or anything along those lines no excellent so that's you know you bring up some brilliant points here because when you take a look at what elon musk is doing i always ask the audience to consider whether it's musk or someone else what's their purpose to what objective, to what outcome and impact, right? And in this case here, it is Jeff's talking about, it's it's a big damn head fake. Because if you can't say what you, you could say what you want, but again, if he silences who you can say it or how loud you can say it, same thing aspect. You know, I, I got booted off LinkedIn. I got booted off uh, Twitter, which is now X. X hasn't let me back on. Why did I get booted off? Because I talked about the propaganda horse. And I talked about them several different times. But when I targeted and talked about Hillary Clinton in that perspective, boom, I was instantly knocked off the platform because can't go there. You could talk about maybe mega supporters or someone else. But you talk about one of the friends on the left. No, boom, you're off the platform. Same thing on LinkedIn. They use that same type of AI crap. And then they go out and police people and say, you know, we're watching you. You need to tone down your information. And so everybody sort of self-censors and sub subjects themselves to stuff and and people are getting tired of this. So what do you think what do you think this is going with Musk and what do you think the backlash from people is people going to figure this out. You you figured out you you starting to highlight this but there's got to be some sort of pushback and backlash on all these platforms. 
Yeah, well, I, I think I think one of the problems why I don't think that there's as much backlash as, as there should be is because they he's basically given everybody who or I would say the vast majority of people that have gotten kicked off of off of Twitter their 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 platforms back, right? Uh, and so a lot of people feel like, yes, I'm finally I'm back on X, I'm back on Twitter, I I can go back to doing what I do. Uh, and, and so I, it's almost like he's kind of dangling the carrot in, fr in front of everybody. And, you know, like, look, I gave you guys back free speech. You know, this is the only big tech platform. You can kind of say whatever you want. But but this this is what's happening. And this is this is a strategy that, that the vast majority of people do not understand. The whole reason why Elon Musk bought Twitter was not because of free speech, was not even because he wanted a social media platform. He didn't want to he, he didn't even necessarily want to be in this whole space. The reason why he bought it was to make the most relevant artificial intelligence on the planet. So if you look at ChatGPT, uh, what it's doing is it's aggregating all the information off of the Internet. And uh, in, I believe in the current iteration, it only goes up to the year 2021. Maybe with the paid ones, it, it'll it'll become more yeah. relevant. But anything that happened after the year 2021, it doesn't have access to. So it can't it can't regurgitate that information. It's only pre 2021. Right. So what Elon is doing is he's using Twitter and X in order to aggregate all of our information. So if you're on X, what he's doing is he's taking all of your data, all of your information, all the articles that you're posting, all of your posts, all of your ideas, all of your concepts, funneling it through his artificial intelligence, which is called XAI. You can go look it up on the platform. And, and then what they're doing is they're using XAI in order to fuel their entire platform. So it, when you look at Facebook and Google, they would they would harvest your data just to sell to advertisers, right? So that way they could advertise to advertise to you. What Elon's doing is almost more sinister. He's harvesting your data to funnel into his artificial intelligence to make it the most powerful AI on on the planet in its in its current iteration. And then he can then turn that back around. Now the AI knows everything about you. Now, now the now the AI knows yes. all of your interests. It knows all of your perspectives. It knows how to manipulate you. It knows what pisses you off. It knows what make what makes you happy. What makes you sad. What makes you angry. It will know everything. So not only Will it be able to, to have the most targeted uh, advertising campaigns on the planet? But then it'll also know how to manipulate you politically, how to manipulate you, you know, when it comes to culturally, when it comes so socially, when it comes to religion. It knows how to manipulate you and push you now because it has access to all of your data. Even even if he's not letting anybody see what you're saying, everybody's like, I can still say whatever I want. So they go on there, they post on, on Twitter and all of a sudden. All you're doing is fueling the artificial intelligence. Elon Musk is using humanity to amplify his technology. And it's really scary when you look at what he's planning to do to tie in XAI with Neuralink when they start implanting that into people's skulls and brains and connect your brain to the Internet with, with his own artificial oh, wow. intelligence. When you when you literally sit down and think about it. If, the, if this goes according to the Elon Musk plan, he's going to become the most powerful man on the planet because he's going to act, have access to all of your data. He's going to have access to the most powerful AI on the planet. He's going to have access to your brain with, with Neuralink implants. And then on top of that, he's also working on his own digital currency that's going to be all tied into this, you know, uh, you know where, where it, it'll be tied basically to your body, kind of like how Microsoft had with their patents. So when you think about this, Elon Musk is going to be the most powerful man on the planet. It's almost like a James Bond villain that is conquering the entire world. It's pretty crazy when you actually think about it. Well, excellent. We're gonna when we come back from break, we're gonna talk about this some more. And I'm gonna ask you about this related to China and the social credit scoring, because that's exactly what this sounds like here. For our listeners, just remember here, the NAS Security Hour plays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on the America Outlaw Talk Radio Network. It's heard on Apple, iHeartRadio Network, 
and our world-class media player has some awesome apps like Apple, Android, and Alexa. So go to AmericaOutloud.news. AmericaOutloud.news. We'll be right back. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to the NAS Security Hour. This is Ed Huglin, your host for today, and I'm with me today is Jeff Dornick, who's given us a fascinating talk in terms of what's happening with the artificial intelligence world, Elon Musk, and what we should be paying attention to. So in prior shows, I've talked a lot about cognitive warfare and how the democratization of technology has advanced the capability from an individual to a nation state to amplify things significantly. What Jeff's talking about right now sort of scares the hell out of me because not only do we have to worry about the Russians and Chinese, but even more nefarious is the ability of a fellow American to come in, manipulate the system, and actually drive what what China has is basically social credit scoring. So as Jeff was saying, hook it up to your brain, hook it up to your wallet, hook it up to your body. Okay. Now what's your freedoms? What's your rights? Because you want to maintain your, your uh, category on, on Facebook or whatever else on Twitter, you want to maintain your followers, right? So more and more people become intimidated because they don't want to be left alone, right? They, so they use a human psychological aspect here in terms of so what's your where's this social credit scoring here going, Jeff? I mean, it's it it, it it's good. It's already here to a certain degree, but it, it's just going to become more ramped up and more in line with the way 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 China's de- dealing with stuff. Uh, the the really interesting thing with with China specifically, and this is another angle of of the AI, and this is this is also re- really really concerning, is that right now uh, I don't know if are you familiar with like quantum computing and all and all of that. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, I have a couple of friends who are doing some very unique things in quantum computing. Yeah. Well, so 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 it's it's interesting because uh, so Microsoft 
and then one other American company, I forget what it is, and then uh, and then the Chinese Communist Party are the three leaders right now in developing quant- quantum computing. And and so uh, you know, I, I've been listening to multiple podcasts and multiple different scientists and experts on on this whole issue. And and what they're saying is that once they can master quantum computing, which is interesting because they're, they're they said that they're doing it at the atomic level or even the subatomic level. It's 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 pretty crazy the way that they're doing it. But but what's interesting is when they combine the quantum computing with the artificial intelligence, that's when it will become self-learning. That's when it will become because what instead of just aggregating information, it's going to have the computing power to run all the hypotheticals through its computing system and then spit it out to where that's when AI gets really dangerous and really scary. And so right now you've got China that, that's tr- that's trying to get their own quantum computing and and right now they can they can all do like certain individual tasks but in t- but they're trying to get it to where it can it can outperform our current computing system and be and be more mobile and kind of do whatever whatever they need to do uh, and so and so when we're looking at it from that perspective, it's kind of a race between the United States with like Microsoft and the one other company, I forget which tech company it is, versus the Chinese Communist Party. But are are we really rest assured, given that given that it's, you know, Bill Gates, former former company, Microsoft, that's that's the one developing it? Is it really matter if it's America or China at at that point? I don't know. Uh, but but the the interesting with thing with that that's been that's been fascinating. As everybody was talking about, you know, with the, with the COVID jabs and the COVID vaccines, everybody was talking about, okay, is there is there AI being implanted in there? And I I host a show with Karen Kingston Weekly. She's the she used to work for Pfizer. She's a whistleblower, all of that. And and her job was to actually dive into the patents and explain it to like the attorneys and the marketing team in layman's terms and all that. So she knows all this kind of stuff, right? And so, you know, we, we've talked about how, you know, it, they're actually putting artificial intelligence into people with, with, with the COVID jabs. And, and as I started looking at this, I start, and I'm getting concerned with quantum computing, I'm getting concerned with AI. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts talking about graphene. You remember everybody, everybody talking about graphene in the, in the vaccines, yes. right? Well, if you go look up, go look up graphene with, uh, with, with, with artificial intelligence and go look up graphene with, with quantum computing. You'll find out that graphene, when when it's when it's bonded together with single molecule magnets, which is microscopic. Again, we're talking very microscopic things. That is the basis of the memory of quantum computing. And 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 what's been explained to me is that quantum computing, because it's done at the subatomic level, that they act that they're actually building it on life forms and instead of it being like a computer on like uh, on like a little box of metal, like what we currently have. It's actually being built on life forms. So when you think about it, they're they're implanting into people, and it's actually self-aligning in the vaccine. They were, they were uh, injecting into the people the basis of quantum computing, and basically, essentially setting up the capabilities to turn human beings into quantum computers in and of themselves. Now that's terrifying. When you when you think now you're a walking, living quantum computer, think about what think about what happens when all of a sudden they implant Neuralink. Or another brain chip, or artificial intelligence. Now you are the walking memory. You are the walking computing system, and then you're linked to the internet through neural. Like it's pretty wild when you start diving into this stuff. So, what was the name of that movie uh, where they had people uh, with the with the, uh, the? I can't remember the guy's name, but the whole thing is they're living. They sit in their chairs and they hook up to the internet basically, and they go into that whole Borg system, right? The, the Matrix. Some, the Matrix. The yeah. Matrix. But, but what's interesting you're talking about is this is not far-fetched because the development of nanoparticles and nanomachines 
all right, with what you're talking about. There's a whole series of different ways that people can put this together. Well, what Americans and people need to understand worldwide here on this AI stuff, whether it's China or someone in the U.S., are they nefarious or they have the best intentions in the world? Right? Bill Gates wants to rid the world of a population, right? He wants to decrease population. Is he much better than Xi? I don't know. But once they get that quantum computing with AI, not only can they do phenomenal predictive analysis because they can quickly map the whole information environment, right? If this, then what, based on what, you, what your background is, what you're thinking, how you do things, they'll be able to understand how to manipulate you, how to teach you how to do different things, and you won't even know that you're being manipulated because it'll be that dynamic. But they'll also be able to break all encryption. Right. And so the encryption aspects, that means your banking encryption systems, your intelligence encryption systems. Okay. So whoever gets there first is going to have a phenomenal amount of power. Right. And that's why there's races on. What's interesting from a U.S. perspective is even though the companies are doing it, the U.S. government is trying to invest in some different areas as well. But they're always a day late and a dollar short. So what do you think from what you're seeing and what you're hearing? What do you think the U.S. government's role should be in this overall aspect of AI? Honestly, I I don't know, and I I've been I've been wrestling with that one because I I, t I tend to be get get the government out of out of all of this. At the same time, I'm all, I'm also pr pretty pretty terrified of of the future of, of AI and especially getting into the wrong hands. And I feel like it almost always goes into the wrong hands because you know it's it's all these multi-millionaire billionaire guys that, that are running around with this of course they're going to use it to manipulate people i mean just look at you've all know harari already talking about how we no longer have free will because they can they can basically hack your brain and control you control you from the inside how you vote what you do what you buy what you're interested in and you won't even know about it which is terrifying because that basically means you're a zombie but you don't realize you're a zombie you're you're just walking around like a like a drone there, there's there's actually a band uh have, there's a band called muse that they're 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 a great band phenomenal uh you know rock band put on some of the best if you can ever go to a muse concert it's like over the top crazy awesome great musicians but they they've been talking about this kind of stuff for years in in their music and so one of their last albums that they came out was actually called drones the cover of their album is a bunch of people marching in line and they all have like computer boxes as 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 heads so like a computer screen as their head and then there's a guy. There's one guy holding the joystick, controlling all of the people on on the uh, with, with with the computer screens as their heads. And they've been talking about this for a long time. But obviously, everybody's like, "Oh, that would never that would never happen." What, what are you talking about? You're just a crazy conspiracy theorist, whatever it is. But you're just sitting here and you're like, "This this is what they're doing." So when we're talking about the government's role in all this, I feel like the government kind of needs to have a role because there are definitely national national security risks to all of this. My concern though is. Do we trust our own government to actually protect us or are they going to be using it against us? So so it's kind of this catch 22. Yes, our government should be involved, but then also I don't want them involved because because of the implications of it. Because I mean, th I mean, think about this. Anytime you're dealing with technology, technology is always hackable. Now, if, if you if you yeah. have if you have technology implanted into you, are you hackable? Is that technology hackable? What happens if that technology inside of your brain or inside of your body all of a sudden is able to get hacked? What are the implications? Can you, can you be killed from the inside? Are you going to be manipulated? Is that artificial intelligence all, all, all going to go rogue? You know, there's yes, so many yes. different things that we have to be concerned about. And I don't know the answer because I don't trust our own government. So who can actually protect us? I don't know.
Well, you bring up a great point. You know, I talk about this in the cognitive warfare and in, in, in the book as well. The reason why on this program for the last year, because it's it is, as you said, extremely dangerous. And if your own government can't be trusted because we've seen how it's been weaponized, right? And a certain political party has weaponized it against the American people. Then think what they would do with something like this. Think what they would do just to help skew the votes, right? And so people think that 2020 was, some people think a lot of people, half of America still think 2020 was a fraud. Well, given what you're talking about here and what other people have talked about different programs and such, you know, that's not far-fetched. And we always have to ask, you know, why did people go back and look at that? But with, with where China's going with this, what people need to also understand, China is using humans to then test these types of things on live humans, right? They're taking the military, they're taking their, their other elements of their society, and they go ahead and implant different things on them, try different chemicals and steroids and things to adjust their brain and such. And to Jeff's point, the body has a certain point in time where it automatically starts to shut itself down because it knows it's going to die. Well, with quantum computing and this type of stuff, they could trigger something to say that you at 25 years old, it's time for you to die. And your brain would then start that process in place in the body. How the hell would you stop it? So this is <laughs> extremely frightening type of stuff here. You know, Washington Post in an article came out in the from the opinion editorial board here that how AI could help or hurt Internet freedom. So we're talking about things which could happen in the next five, 10 years or maybe in the next uh, 20 years. But but near term right now, just with Internet freedom, it talks about the number of countries and how they're using different means and methods to censor people. Now, what's interesting, I call it the Washington Compost, because they never say that the U.S. is doing that to their own people already, right? But out of the 70 countries worldwide, they're doing just what Jeff talked about, using AI to censor, shut down, control, and manipulate. And, and you've seen with the Israeli Hamas stuff. People are taking stuff and just sending it back and forth without even looking and having a clue as to what they're sending. And they think they're sending valid factual information. It's very, very scary. And so back to you, Jeff. we got a couple minutes before the next break. And let's close out the AI stuff because what when we come back from the break, I want to dig a little bit into your background and stuff like that because this is the American Patriot series. And I think it's important to understand and get some lessons learned from you for our audience. But any any last comments on the AI? Yeah, well, one one of the one of the interesting things that's another that's another major major concern to me is Elon Musk Neuralink because of if if you go back you listen to his interview that he did on Joe Rogan where he was talking about this and the capabilities of this right one of the, one of the things that he said that they'll have the ability to do is to erase memories and replace them with new ones and and he and he explained that that this this will be groundbreaking for, for, with it within like the the counseling world psychological world for people for like trauma victims people like rape victims people that are going through PTSD and so he's pitching it from that perspective but uh, but uh, my first thought is what are the ramifications of that what what are the what are the potential pitfalls now it, now now when you now when you think about this it's it could completely, you know, anybody who gets the Neuralink implant, they they could they could make it out to where they don't even remember Donald Trump as president. It was a different president. How would you know? Because they're changing your, mem your memory from inside. So if they take away your memory, how are you going to remember that you forgot something that they deleted? It's impossible. So I mean, they they, they could give you a new family if you wanted. They, they they could they could make you misremember certain things. I mean, when you think about it, look at look at like what happened on January 6th. We've all been gaslit over and over and over again about what actually happened on, on January 6th. We're being yeah. lied to constantly. 
What, what if they don't have to lie to us anymore? What if they just have to change everybody's memory? And think about the chaos. Let's just say 60% of Americans have the Neuralink uh, implant and 40% don't, right? What happens when 60% of Americans have their memory switched and 40% don't? Think about the chaos that happens then where legitimately people honestly do not remember particular things happening or a different yeah. version of it. And they're not just being lied to or manipulated or whatever it is their entire memory has changed. Think about the chaos that happens when, when that happens. That, that, that's a whole other conversation that's terrifying to me. Well, so as we go to break here, you're absolutely right. But you don't have to look at AI or implementation of Neuralink and stuff. Just take a look at what happened in 2020 in the summer of love. You already have people. And take a look at the Hamas demonstrations across the United States on college campuses. These are people that don't need things plugged into their head. They've already been indoctrinated and manipulated. I mean, when you have people from the 60s and 70s who blamed a few soldiers and put it on the whole military for baby killers, and then you come six decades later on, and you have purposeful baby killers and slaughter and rape, and then you have the same colleges now demonstrating in support of that. I mean, it's like, it's just an Orwellian nightmare. But but as we go to break here, be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must all do our part and share the stories the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. We'll be right back. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to the NASA Security Hour. On with me today is Jeff Dornick, and he's given a fascinating explanation of AI and some other things I haven't been aware of, like the Neuralink and other things that Elon Musk is doing. And where this could go seems like a freaking nightmare. But because this is the American Patriot series, I want to talk a little bit about Jeff and get a little bit of insights about him. So let me start, Jeff, because you're you know, I was a bureaucrat my whole life. I did go in the private sector a couple of different times and independent consultant now. But you've been in the private sector your whole life. You've been pushing different things, stuff like that. And I've always been fascinated with entrepreneurs and the risks you take and other stuff. And so 
what drives you? What drives your efforts in terms of creating this new platform for a free sheet, free speech that 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 you're not beholden to big tech? What what's the driver behind that? Yeah, well, I think I think the driver behind the driver behind launching launching Pickaxe uh, was was really you know after I got uh, you know I got suspended off off of Twitter uh, during all the all the COVID craziness. Um, like literally I got kicked off for interviewing a, a black conservative that was running for Senate out of Illinois, uh, uh, Jimmy Lee Tillman. And we were, we were talking about, about why the African-American community was, was so hesitant to get vaccinated. And he, and he explained, well, it's because, you know, a, a lot of us, especially the older generation, uh, that, you know, the heads of the family and the grandparents, they remember the Tuskegee experiments. And he's like, this is where the CD, CDC tested. They lied to African-American men. And so they don't trust the healthcare system, they don't trust the CDC when the CDC says this is totally safe that you don't have to worry about anything. Well, what about my what about my grandparents? What about my, what about my grandfather you gave syphilis yes. to? You know, th th things like that. Right. So. So, you know, well, so trust your government. Right. Exactly. So Twitter didn't like that. So they they, they suspended me for, for that one. So then I go over to the alternatives, right? Because that's all that's the only place I could go. I was I went on I went onto all the platforms. You can still find me on there, you know, Getter, Gab, MeWe, Cla I literally, if there's a social media platform out there, I'm on it because I had to diversify because I have to protect myself from getting censored because of talking about something controversial or whatever it is. I I quickly realized that all of these free speech platforms are not actually free speech platforms. And they're free speech to a point. And and again, I always I believe that free speech only goes to a point, but that that point, that limitation is the United States Constitution. And so if you're violating the United States Constitution, like if you're if you're actively calling for terrorism, if you if you are coordinating uh, with terrorists in order to do an attack, that obviously is not protected by the First Amendment. If you if you're if you're threatening somebody, dox, there, there's certain limitations, but it's all found within, you know, essentially the limitations of the United of the United States Constitution. So. I quickly realized none of them are actually free speech. If you if you look at Getter, I actually had the former CEO on, the founder of it, Jason Miller, on my show, and I started challenging him on it. And literally, he he basically confirmed, "Well, Getter, it's not actually free speech; it's free political speech." Okay, what does that mean? So, what does that mean? You're censoring, right? Then there's other platforms, platforms like CloudHub, and and I I love I love I you know Jeff Brain recently passed away. He's the founder and CEO of, of CloudHub, one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. I, and I also love Todd Calendar, yeah, who's I've the current met CEO. With him virtually, great guy, great guy. Oh yeah, sad both yeah. Both of them are phenomenal people with the utmost respect, but also Clout Hub's not not necessarily a free speech platform either. I, th I think Jeff told me that they have like a hundred different words that are banned on the platform. That if you even try to type it, it won't allow you to post it. So I'm like, okay, uh, Frank Speech with Mike Lindell, they 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 ban swearing, and I'm not I'm not I'm not a huge advocate for swearing. But again, if you're talking free speech, why are we putting limitations on speech, right? Then you go over to uh, Truth Social. Truth Social actually Donald Trump's social media platform contracted with an artificial intelligence company out of Silicon Valley in, in order to do all of their content moderation and censorship. So that and, and the whole reason why they all do this is so that way they can be on the Apple App Store and the Google and the Google Play Store and and play by their rules. So that way, because that's it's a business, right? They've got to get downloads and all that. So they're so even though they're quote unquote fighting against big tech, they're playing by big tech's rules because they want to be on the app store. So none of them any of the platforms that are on the app store are playing by the censorship rules of big tech. So they're going to run around saying, we're fighting against big tech. Come join our platform. Yeah, but you're still playing by their rules. So really, what's the difference except you have a slightly more conservative bent to it? 
No, exactly. That's fa that's actually very fascinating because you're absolutely right. Is that you know you have to bow down to the gods of liberalism, okay, and the progressives based on what they already have inherent in their biases. And if if you don't, okay, they're going to kick you off. Much like if you publish a book on Amazon. And it starts to do too good. They'll do certain things potentially to then sort of mess with the script so that maybe it doesn't sell as well or it's not as visible and such. It's really it's really nefarious here. But, you know, you but tell us a little bit. When you grew up, what was the most what was the person who influenced you most and how did they influence you? What you know what what really quick your brain and stuff to get into the type of stuff you're doing now? Um, I don't know. So like I went, so when I was, when I was younger, I, I, I played, I played a lot of basketball very, very competitively. Like we won a national championship with my club team and, you know, and all that was getting recruited for college. And so I think to a certain degree there, there was a certain mentality that was instilled in me because I had, I had some great coaches, former NBA players that trained me and all of that. And so I, I learned a lot about, about kind of like your, your mentality, keeping your cool, always, you know, taking a step back from, from, from the emotional like reaction and, and start thinking through things, you know, logically and, and, you know, make the right decisions under pressure and things like that. And so that I feel like my, my athletic background, especially playing basketball has, has really influenced a lot of, a lot of the way that I've kind of set up things uh, moving forward. Then in college, I ended up not playing basketball because I, I went to a small little Baptist uh, school to go into Christian ministries. I wanted to be a youth pastor. And then uh, I was in college when the 2008 real estate market crashed. I was in Arizona. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted to hire a youth pastor. Nobody wanted to hire a, a worship pastor, which was my two uh, you know areas of ministry that, that, I, that I was trained in. Uh, because, yeah. because they just wanted volunteers because they were only going to pay the senior pastor. So I'm like, okay, I'm screwed. So now what do I do? Cause I can't, I can't just go work for a church for free for the rest of my life after I just went to college to learn how to go into ministry. Right. So, so then I start, I, I started working with some local startups out there in, in Arizona. And I like quite literally started from the bottom answering phones and then worked my way up to where I became the head of customer service in one company, uh, got into sales, became the top sales rep in, in, in the, in the company. And we, we just, we, you know, I, I was with these startups and then I've, I've kind of consulted, did some web development, did just a lot of different things. I've kind of had my hand in, in everything from like customer service to shipping, to web development, to marketing and, and, and all of that. And it was, it was was really interesting because through throughout all of that whether i was an employee or working for myself there was always this a bit more of an entrepreneurial mindset to where you know i was like okay i've got an idea i need i need to run with it i need to come up with this different angle or whatever it is and so uh in in you know january of 2020 i i got a job as the vp of operations for a big advertising agency out of out of new york and and so then march hit it was like the day before my birthday uh, and and the world shut down uh, from from COVID, and then all of a sudden, my advertising the advertising agency I was working for let everybody go that wasn't actively working on a campaign, which means I was out of luck because I was the VP of operations. I'm not working on any campaign. I'm making sure every, everything's functioning. So they they let me go. The next day, I ended up talking to, to my now business partner JD Rucker because I was I was supposed to interview him that day. I was like, I got to reschedule. Uh, let's. Um, you know, let's reschedule. I just lost my job. So he immediately called me and started, started throwing out ideas. But why don't, we, why don't we start working together? And I'm like, oh, okay, let's do that. So then we, so then we started Freedom First Network. And, and I, and I got to say, which is a podcast network we, we built since, since the beginning of, of 2020. And uh, I, I've learned so much from JD, especially in all of this space when it comes to politics, when it comes to journalism, when it comes to, to everything. And, and I, and I would say, you know, if I'm talking about, 
who's who's really impacted me the most really since then and in this whole space of of commentating and journalism and investigations and all that it's really been jd rucker is my business partner and we, we we've been working together for for years now uh and i've learned so much he's probably one of the smartest guys that i know and and i always say there's oh, there's only a handful of people in this whole world of politics and all that kind of stuff that I actually trust probably single digits uh and and you know jd's one of those guys that i would trust with my life but I've also learned I've learned so much from him that that it's it's really impacted kind of my thought process and how 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 I how I maneuver things from a bit more of a strategic standpoint too. Well, this is fascinating because what 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 I'm hearing from you, what I've heard from the other folks I've had on as well, there's a com- common themes amongst folks like yourself driven is that uh, you have a cognitive mindset that you don't give up. One, you don't give up. I mean, people who hit bottom at different places, you get fired from jobs, stuff like that. Uh, yes, it's depressing. Yes, you got a hard time. But there's also then opportunities, especially in this country. You can do anything you want in this country. So you can start over again. And you just went through different things, how you started over like three, four times. You know, so for the audience, let that be a lesson for yourselves. If if you're in a shift hole, okay, that's like Adam shift because you can't swear on a variety. But if you're in a shift hole, okay. You can always crawl out of the shift holes because you have in this country a phenomenal set of opportunities and stuff to get out of the, those holes and move on to something else. So a couple of more quick questions, then we'll go to Trump and the jabs and stuff. But based on what you've been through and stuff like that, two questions. What are the lessons learned and what does the future hold for you? Um, so I, I would I would say that the one of the one of the big lessons that I've learned um, th- through all of this is always look at the long game. Don't don't look short term. One of the, one of the weaknesses of conservatives in general politically is we always just look the the furthest down the road that we look at is the next election. The Democrats and the left, they're looking 50 years down the road, 100 years down the road. China has their multi hundred year plan in order to do things. And we're looking at 2024. And that's it. 2024 is the only way to save this country. And that's it. Put all of our eggs in the in the basket of Donald Trump. And that's the only way to save this country. And I'm like, no, this has been taken over over the last hundred plus years. We're not going to undo it with with one election. So we've got to actually start getting involved in all that. But but even from like a, like a business standpoint is I've always looked at it like I everything I'm doing right now, I'm doing for three, five, 10 years down the road. I'm I'm trying to build something to where what what I'm doing right now, I'm always building on top of I'm never I'm never I'm never staying stagnant and all of that. One of the interesting things as I was growing up, I used to read a lot because I was I was homeschooled. And I, I remember reading because I was a basketball player. I read uh, a bunch of John Wooden books, who's the the great coach of UCLA, won I don't know how many championships, uh, probably the winningest coach in NCAA basketball history. Um, and one of the, one of the things that he would that he would always you know teach his players is is to not is to not get emotional off of these individual things. You don't argue with the refs. You don't yell at them. You don't do all this kind of stuff because it's going to throw you off your game because you're going to lose your mentality and yeah, you're only yeah. looking at that specific play you got to think about how do i get from quarter one to the final bows to the final buzzer with with more points than the other side right and that means that you may struggle for a little bit kind of halfway through the second quarter it, it may it may mean that hey yes. you're you you make you make some mistakes whatever it is but the goal is get to the end of the buzzer with more with more points than the other and so i've always applied that to business as well that that's been a huge lesson to me is i'm not looking at Okay, what is this immediate thing that's frustrating? It's difficult. It's whatever it is right now. It's like, okay, how do I overcome this to get to my end goal? 
And and right and right now, my 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 end goal and my my entire future right now, I'm you know I'm building out Pickaxe, which is which is our social media platform. Like th- this this to me is is my baby that I want to run with. I I could see running this for the for the rest of my life. Like this would be one of those things because there's so much innovation that can be done. There's so many different ideas. There's so many different concepts. There's so many different ways to do this. And a lot of people that have gotten into this social media alternative social media game, it's kind of like they get in for like a quick hit because they want to make a quick buck and they realize it's it's not a way to make a crap ton of money right right off the bat. But if you're thinking yes. about this long term, there's lots of things you can do. So right now, I'm just lo- I'm looking at it from the perspective. I'm laying out the groundwork. What's the basis? I need a strong foundation w- technologically, from a business standpoint, from a mentality standpoint. Right now, and then I can kind of do whatever I want from there. I can just come up with ideas. What 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 things do I need to come up with to fix? What are what are some of the weaknesses that we're that we're dealing with that we can use technology to fix to amplify humanity, to amplify the First Amendment, to amplify you, our ability to not be censored and kind of have our own parallel economy and 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 all of that. So there's lots yeah. of things we can do, but it's going to take laying the foundation now, but always looking at what's the end game. Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? And then that will help you to not get frustrated and upset and whatever it is when hiccups come along the way, because they will. Hiccups will always come. Yeah, so so great points. And so you're amplifying a lot of what we talked about for the last year here, because for the U.S. government or an individual, you have to think strategically. And if you think strategically and you backward plan and you have three different routes to get to that strategic vision, because as Jeff said, you're going to have hurdles and they're going to pop up. They're going to take away two or maybe all three of the plans you had. But if you have that strategic perspective, okay, and that's what you've seen here when I bring in people for this American Patriot series, they all have that same more strategic perspective on life. You know, when I when I came in to do these radio programs, I came in to help push it because I wanted to make people aware of the cognitive war we're in. Because if we don't fix it, like the technology things, that we're going to be in a shift hole, okay, the rest of our lives here, okay, not a good thing. But what I, what I found was a lot of people in this environment, they always want to do these quick wins, get these quick stories out there, and take these things that are wild-ass conspiracy theories and toss them out there as if they're truth because they know they get a quick rating for the week. I'm thinking, no. <laughs> if you want something else like that, okay, go hire someone who – who can uh, change their voice on the radio and yell back and forth and, okay, be crazy like um, uh, Glenn Beck or something like that. Okay. That's not me. So that's very fascinating background. We got about three minutes left here. We could probably go on for a couple of hours easily here, but on, on, uh, let's go to the next two topics very quickly here is, so the jab and Donald Trump. Okay. What do they have in common? And then where do you see both of these things going? Anyhow, back to you, Jeff, on the on the jab first. Yeah, I mean, you know, one one of my biggest frustrations uh, with with President Trump was his uh, promotion of of the vaccines. And again, I, I and I would say I don't I don't blame anybody for the decisions that they made in April of 2020 because nobody really knew what the heck what the heck was going on. Right. My problem is what is he doing right now? Why why is he not changing his position? Right. And, and 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 this this is and this so for for me when I'm looking at at president at President Trump it's like okay he's got he's got to change course at some point I the the problem is I don't see that I don't see that he will and I think Ron DeSantis this is why Ron DeSantis got into got into the race he saw that the, that the vaccine was Donald Trump's Achilles heel he thought he could take advantage of that by taking a strong anti-vax approach 
and in all and in all reality um that i think that's failed because i think a lot of people are willing to look past donald trump's weakness when it when it comes to the vaccine my concern is what happens with the next pandemic has he learned his lessons that's my biggest concern because you know like I disagree with RFK on a lot on a lot of things, right? But I yeah. know that our if RFK got in as president, he 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 would deal with the CDC and the FDA and the EPA dealing with big pharma and big food and in yes. all of these. I don't have that same confidence in in Donald Trump, and that that to me is a national security risk. When you're talking about Pfizer, is a is a Greek company. It's not an American company. So we're contracting with foreign entities to push what I would argue are are biological weapons into people's bodies that are killing people by the masses. And yes. our and and Donald Trump, hopefully our next president, isn't really doing anything about it. So that it's a concern. I'm still I'm still gonna vote for him because I think he's I think he's the best guy for the job right now. But it's also a massive concern that I, that I wish that he would rectify. No, so you echo a lot of my same concerns, but my concerns are the same thing. Did he learn anything from how he was outmaneuvered in the cognitive war that's ongoing? And I don't think so. Okay, so unless he brings in a different team or stuff like that, okay, we're going to be played again in this next cycle here. But Jeff, you know, it's been a real pleasure having you on a guest today. It's some fascinating discussion here. You're one of many examples for people to to how they can follow the dream, but including that dream, keeping America free. The lesson for our listeners is you can make a difference. You can change things for the better. You don't need special permissions. You're empowered. Just act. I'm here on the NASA Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I go outside the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on NASA security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people. So we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The NASA Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.